Mud Stories, Episode 76. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. For so many of us, we run at such a frantic pace. We never stop. You know, what, what could life look like if I wasn't doing all of these things that actually suck the life out of me? What would life look like if I edited in things that fill me up that I'm created to do and edit out things that are not? If there's always people saying, I'll do it, the people who are actually meant to do that work, the people who love that work or that activity, will never step up and do what they were created to do because the same people are always saying yes. Hi, my name is Jackie Watkins, your host, and you're listening to Mud Stories, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your most muddy moments. Hope to make it through whatever mud it is you're facing and encouragement that you would know that you are never, ever alone. Hey friend, welcome back to the Mud Stories podcast. I am so glad you're here today with me for another episode as we wade through some of the mud we face and process it together. So today we're going to be talking about all things busy and crazy and the mud we've faced that has brought us to the place of feeling like life is just so jam-packed with stuff that there's just no room for us to really rest on the inside or do those profound and important things that make us come alive. And if you're anything like me, and I'm guessing you are, at times we live so crazy busy and feel like life is passing us by. And so today, I am so thankful to be talking with Allie Worthington, a fellow mom of five, a business owner, a coach, she's an entrepreneur, the executive director of Propel Women, and I think on a side note, has one of the most calming voices you could listen to. Allie loves movies, Jesus. She loves using emojis. And she is releasing her very first book entitled Breaking Busy, How to Find Peace and Purpose in a Crazy World. Hey, Allie, welcome to the show. I'm so very glad you're here. I'm so glad to be here. Now I'm like, wow, what does my voice sound like? I don't know. Um, to say I love Jesus movies and emojis, you are a woman who knows me well. <laughs> well, I uh, I have just broken into emojis. I must confess I was an Android user and had no idea how to even find emojis on my Android phone. But I got an iPhone recently, and it is a whole new world for me. In fact, I would it's dare to changing. Yeah, I, I would dare to say I'm on emoji <laughs> overload. Yes. Nice. <laughs> and I also have to tell you, you know, I also am a mom of five. And so I feel like it's a special little kindred spirit club we're in. This, it's just you hit four and five and you just realize, you know, I am so not in control of this situation. Like God is giving us nope. these little personalities and it's so not about me. Right. Well, it's funny when you have one or two, you still believe that you can affect their personality. Right. And then you have the third and fourth and you go, wow, they're so different than the fifth and who knows more. Um, but it really kind of smacks you in the face that God has given them their little personalities in the womb. And no matter if you play baby Mozart or not, or you do, you know, 56 after school activities or not, what they 
are are created to do and the people they're created to be, that's going to happen. Absolutely. And so it's very liberating because I know as long as I raise them to be able to give and receive love, to take responsibility for themselves and to love Jesus, I kind of feel like my job's done. I think you're right. I feel so at ease just right here at the start and validated after coming across your slacker parenting philosophy, because (laughs) I'm going to tell you, I am a part of that club for sure. And uh, it doesn't it just always help to not feel alone? I know for me, when I found your slacker parent philosophy, um, these low key birthday parties, I also refuse to hover and micromanage homework. Uh, I don't pack my kids lunches. In fact, this morning, my daughter thought it was okay to take a piece of chicken crackers. And um, I think she had gummy, gummy bears or something in there. And I was like, okay, babe, we have to go back to the protein table and see what else we're going to add to this lunch of yours to <laughs> augment your creative choices. <laughs> Well, I've really had to let go because my husband's now a stay-home dad. Well, I say now. He's been a stay-home dad for two and a half years. Um, But the way a man oversees the way children do things and a woman, Mm -hmm. wow, it's very different. So I'm constantly going, okay, that's why God gave us vitamins. Right. (laughs) Eventually, eventually they'll they'll marry a woman who cares about creases pants, but <laughs> this isn't my life right now. And I just, I have to just bite my tongue. Right. Right. Well, and it gives us some um, liberty and freedom and just lifts that guilt of the inappropriate guilt, really, of feeling like we have to be I, all for them because it really does them a disservice to growing into the men they need to become if we micromanage everything, because then how can they ever learn to be responsible? Right. It really does. It's funny. I I did, you know, I was on TV talking about how I don't help my children with their homework. And then boy number three is now in fifth grade. And every day he has math homework and his teacher tells him to have your parents check it. Now for the older boys, I never checked it. I I maybe did it once and then was like, forget it. I'm not doing this. This third son says, you have to check my homework. Like, please don't send me into school without checking it. Like to him, I don't love him if I don't check this math homework on my calculator, on my iPhone. So I'm like, you know what? It's not a one size fits all. My older boys didn't need it, but my, this one boy, it's like, I don't love him if I don't check it. So we just roll with the punches. Yeah. Well, and that's so key to individualize. I think when you have more, you realize you really need to customize with each one because what one needs, another one doesn't need. And if we do a one size fits all, it doesn't really work. Why don't you um, introduce everybody just quickly to your family? Because we got to chatting and um, I would hate for them to not know about that. Sure, sure. Uh, My husband and I, like like we said, we have five boys. They are seven to 17. So it means everything in my house is crazy and my house kind of smells bad. We also have a dog that we rescued and a cat that's moved into our porch and is not going anywhere. She's adopted us and we live outside (laughs) of Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. Well, I'm so thankful that you're here and because I think this is some mud that we face, this busyness and chaos and a world of crazy and you're here to help us unpack that. And in fact, you write in your book, admitting we're a mess is really the first step in breaking busy and it allows God to make us into who he's created us to be. But, you know, I think often this mess that we land in, Allie, comes from some mud that we've faced before in our life that 
sets us up and brings us to where we are and how we're coping and managing. And until we take a closer look at that, it's really hard to get to the root issue and figure out, you know, where to go to move forward and break busy, right? right? So I know for you, you write in your book, in between, you know, you you smatter stories of your own personal life and some of the hard things that you've faced, and particularly in the beginning, how your dad died when you were really young. Can you take us back and share a bit about what happened all those years ago between that and then a learning disability and how all of that really played together to shape the way you deal with the mud that was to come, you know, through your young adult and early married years? Sure. For me, years ago, actually 10 years ago this month, um, it's funny how God brings things full circle. Mm -hmm. I first had the idea of writing a book and I struggled with fear and I struggled with um, not feeling like I was good enough to do it. So after I signed the book contract, I didn't write a word for months until my editor had to say, what in the world is going on with you? And I had to go back and figure out what false scripts I was believing, what was going on. And for with writing the book, a mentor brought up to me one of the issues that she identified that I was facing, and that is I didn't feel like I could depend on God. I didn't feel like I could trust God. And it went back to when I was almost three, my father died in a tragic car accident. And even though I knew because I was told he didn't go away on his own. It wasn't his choosing. Um, I grew up with this sense that I was never really going to be able to depend on a father. Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to be, and, and that is how I viewed God. So I would give God a lot of lip service that I was trusting him. I was obeying him and I would in a lot of my actions, but deep in my heart, I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And with the book, with writing it, um, I had to struggle with the fact that I grew up thinking that I wasn't smart because I did have an undiagnosed um, learning ability. And I, I didn't even plan to really talk about it in the book. And it came out and I went, okay, well, here it goes. This, everybody's going to know now. Um, and I just had to learn that I wasn't the same little girl who was told she couldn't focus. She couldn't get anything done. She couldn't finish what she started. She couldn't read well. And replace that with the truth that God does make us new. We can depend on him and he gives us ways that we can get over these roadblocks that he puts in our lives. It doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes it happens over 30 years, um, but it does happen. So for me, a lot of the process of actually writing this book was figuring out what all the lies that I have believed and deconstruct those and replace them with truth. Yeah. Which sounds really odd for, on a book on busyness, right? I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, I read all the books on busyness and all the research and all the time management. And the issue is, busyness really isn't an issue of time. If it was, all these books on time management would have fixed everything, and we wouldn't still be busy. Busyness is really an issue of the heart. Yeah. And as you began to write the message, what came out, you really were creating something. Anytime we write, I mean, whether it's writing or art or music or um, even serving can be a creative outlet. Brene Brown talks about creativity and how that's a, a component of the wholehearted and how sometimes mm -hmm. these impactful things that happen in our you know, growing up or young adult lives 
impair our ability to release the creative spirit that God has created us to be. And that's what I hear you describing is, Mm -hmm. you know, you set out on this plan to just, quote unquote, write a book, but really (laughs) you're unpacking and releasing your creative artistry. And it required unpacking a lot of things. And I think for you listening, you know, whatever you're creating today in your life or whatever busy place you find yourself in, it might require some unpacking of some deep heart and soul work that might be a little painful. Oh, people ask me what it's like. And I say, writing a book is like punching yourself in the nose repeatedly. That's what it's like. (laughs) It hurts and you just, you know, you're going to take a hit again and you got to keep going. Yeah. And then, you know, what, what's it like when the, when you turn in the book for me, I turned it in to my editor and the publisher and said, for all I know, this could be garbage, but it's really the best I can do. I was too close to it and it was too, mm-hmm. it, it required too much of me to produce it where by the time I turned it in, I was just spent and it took me six months before I you know, read the edited um, manuscript that was all finished again and said, okay, I love this. I can get behind it. But when I turned it in, I was like, this, this could be garbage. I, I have no idea. I'm too close. There's too much of me poured out into this. Um, I, I'm too close. Right. Which which I hope doesn't scare everyone from, from <laughs> creating and writing more. I mean, it's so worth it, but whew, yeah. it's a rough process. And it's a process no matter what it is we're creating, whether we're creating a family or creating a relationship or creating a ministry or or however it is we're serving and doing and giving to the world, we're bringing a part of ourself there. And unless we show up and bring our vulnerability there, it impairs our impact. Absolutely. Yeah. So as you moved through writing this book, you write about some other hard things the challenge of marriage, which is true for all of us, uh, step parenting, all the moving. And finally, you know, motherhood. I personally had four kids under the age of six, so I can relate to you in that season. Um, and I think there's a lot of people who have kids close together that you're drowning and feeling like, you know, that's a whole nother episode of its own, the mud of that. I and honestly, if anybody's listening and your life seems like a blur because you have, so, I don't even remember my 20s. I mean, it was just babies and nursing. And I go, how did I get through that decade? I don't know. But we all survive. We all do. And it's a season. (laughs) I think that's what's important to remember. It's a season. But what's so great about um, what you've given us in Breaking Busy is that you point us to the components that contribute to the underlying causes of the busy, not just a checklist of how to do time management, which is why I'm bringing up all the mud that you've shared, because you anchor dealing with each section to the mud you faced and how you learned that that was part of breaking the busy in your life. So can you share with us about that season where it led into this financial strain and job loss. I think this is a real thing for sure. a lot of people. And um, it's embarrassing and and hard for people to even have community and share about this because it, it cuts to the core of our worthiness. And if we're enough to be able to even provide for our family and how to sort through all that, that really was a, a changing point for you. Sure. Yeah. I like to say we lost everything before losing everything was cool. Um, now, <laughs> now we, we, you know, uh, the economy since 2008 has been so hard. There's not, there's not a big, 
as big a stigma on it because we're all, at least globally, if you think about, you know, the condition of finances, everybody's just teetering. Right. Um, for us, we spent years and years in big moves and my husband climbing the corporate ladder and bigger and bigger jobs. And um, before our fifth son was born, we bought a huge house, had massive debt. And in our minds, the money was always going to keep rolling in. Um, you know, expensive cars, big house, bought my dream house, decked it out. I was on top of the world. My worth, when I look back on it, um, was really wrapped up in what we had. I was mm -hmm. no longer the little girl that grew up poor and was embarrassed to bring friends over to her house. I had, quote unquote, made it. Mm -hmm. Then, before our fifth son was born, uh, my husband just walked into work one day and his boss said, I've canceled your position. You're done. My husband has a very niche job, and so he we could have gone two ways. He could have you know moved us to the middle of Iowa to to do work there. There was you know Seattle, there are lots of different places, and I had just dug my heels in the sand and said, "I don't want to leave Tennessee. I'm done moving, done mm -hmm. having a baby." And I, and I just said, keep waiting, keep waiting. Something's going to pop up here. I can't move again. We had moved for over a decade. Mm -hmm. And five weeks before my last son was born, the real estate agent said, okay, we have a short sale on the house. We're going to, you, you know, you're going to be, a, you're going to be fine. We're going to sell it because it was overpriced. We realized we're way underwater in the house, which back mm -hmm. then people weren't so used to. Right. And short sale for it fell through. We ended up, the home went into foreclosure, and we mm. ended up losing everything we owned in bankruptcy. Everything except two small storage pods was gone. Mm. So the expensive decorations and, you know, crystal stemware and all the things we spent all money on, gone. Mm. but the rocking chair that I rocked my babies in, the Christmas decorations, the, the boxes of junky kids' toys that I didn't want my kids to, to be without because mm -hmm. I wanted them to feel like something was stable that day. And we ended up moving in with my grandfather for about six weeks while we were finding a new job. And it came to the point where one night we were in bed and I said to my husband, just let me sell our wedding rings. Mm -hmm. He said, please, just don't don't ever say it again. It, it will kill me. We're, we're not going to do this. And mm -hmm. We laid in bed together and prayed one night and apologized that we really, instead of worshiping God, we lived like we worshiped the God of money. Mm -hmm. I prayed that we would start living our lives for him on mission, and he just needed to show us the way out. And when the next job came around and we were able to get another house in Nashville, a rental, of course, because, hey, we just filed bankruptcy, right. um, I had a an eagerness and a passion to figure out a way to help support the family. So we didn't have to ever have be in that position again. And that's what led me into starting my first online magazine and an events company later that year. Which actually became quite successful, right? <laughs> it, it was it, for somebody in one year to go from literally losing everything, having to move in with relatives to, dipping her toes in the water of a business. I mean, I look back on it now and it's crazy to think it was possible, but I was just so focused on making something happen mm -hmm. that I didn't have time to really question it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the the event company became super successful. We were in the U.S. and Canada. We it was called Blistem. We had you know Harry Connick Jr. and Rascal Flatts and famous celebrities, and it was amazing. amazing. In my mind, I had found my calling. Mm-hmm. I got to bring women together. They learned from each other. Every year, people would come back and talk about businesses that were started because they met. I mean. It was, it was great. I woke up every day excited to do it. Mm -hmm. And I really thought that I found my calling in life. Okay. But we all know, (laughs) we all know there is no more blistem, right? There's no more blistem. So, okay. So let's talk about the busyness that, that ensued when everything exploded, because this message that you're releasing to the world is born out of personal experience, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you are a person who has experienced the crazy world of not having peace or purpose. And I mean, you always had purpose, but the the purpose of what really matters and yeah. um, focusing on that when everything is exploding and successful and celebrities and businesses thanking you for connecting them. Um, you know, it was sort of the perfect storm in that explosion of blogging and online and all of the things. What did the mud of busyness look like for you that prepared you to eventually come to a place to write this message, for you to be the one to write this message? Well, for me, even even more, I mean, you add in the fun of running that, which really was fun. It was crazy busy. But it sounds super fun. <laughs> it was. I, I look back on it and go, oh, I love that. Um, for us, for our family, it was more of what was going on inside our family. So my husband was working. I'm running this business. I'm also consulting. We have the kids. We both teach on Sunday morning at church. We host small group in our home. And my husband always got roped into coaching peewee football, which he would, nobody wants him to be a football coach, trust me. But he did it because <laughs> no one else said yes. Um, and one night I looked at him and was just like, I- I'm done. I'm miserable. Like, I, ha- I hate everything. And in that great way that men do, he said, yeah, me too. Let's figure it out. And so that's what started us really figuring out what God wanted for us and how to live more purposefully and because we were just going at a frantic pace. That was the first step to to him retiring and staying home with the kids because we knew as busy as we were, we had all these kids. And if one of us wasn't really focusing on them and their needs, something was going to slip through the cracks. Right. Right. Yeah. So you're describing your capacity was at its limit in a sense. <laughs> yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think for so many of us, we run at such a frantic pace. We never stop, sit back and go, well, what, what could life look like if I wasn't doing all of these things that actually suck the life out of me? What, what would life look like if I edited in things that fill me up that I'm created to do and edit out things that are not? Um, somebody recently said to me, she said, I love that you don't tell people to slow down. I was like, no, I don't slow down. Um, you know, I actually put at one point in the book that Mark and I didn't become Amish. That's my husband. And the, um, <laughs> the publisher said, you can't say you didn't become Amish. That's very insulting to Amish people. And I said, well, I don't think they're in my target market. <laughs> and, but we didn't. Like, we we're, we still lead very full lives. You mm-hmm. have to with what we do. 
we just edited out some of the things that weren't working for us that we didn't feel like was our calling to do, but we edited in things that actually make us happy and fill us up and help us live life on purpose. Okay, so before you talk to me about how we can edit our situations, let's talk about how we can recognize if our capacity is at its limit, because you were describing that you were really feeling it inside in the confines of your family. Because on the outside, anybody looking in would have thought, wow, Allie has this going on. She is rocking life. She's got a beautiful family, a supportive husband, this amazing business. Um, They're doing all the things. They're involved in church, extracurricular activities, all this. Uh, A lot of times we look at others' lives and we compare ourselves to them and think we're miserable on the inside and they look like they've got everything happening great and yet more often than not we're both miserable oh yeah it's the instagram effect it's the facebook and instagram I mean, okay and side note here's, okay here's my thoughts on facebook and instagram we all just need to know that it's everyone's highlight reel and when we look at something go oh they're only sharing the highlights now I used to kind of get upset about that and go, well, I wish people would share more of the hard times. But then over time, I realized I don't really want to see pictures of people's (laughs) children having tantrums. (laughs) Um, And if you post a really personal, like self-portrait of yourself in a hard time, it's going to make me uncomfortable because I'm not going to know how to empathize and give comfort over Instagram comments. What are we supposed to do with that? Right. Right. Yeah. And I personally have the rule that if I am upset, if I'm angry, if I need attention or comfort, I'm not allowed to go on social media because I know I will post something and want feedback when really I need to go to Jesus. Right. So I kind of, I perpetuate the highlight reel, but I say, let's just all get real honest about it. So for us, yeah. Um, I looked great on the outside, you know, I'm killing it on social media because I'm just posting happy updates, but I was miserable. And some of these signs, there's a lot of different signs that you're over capacity, but I think the big ones are, um, emotions being out of control. Mm -hmm. So if I'm just going to break down crying, if I'm going to yell at somebody, I mean, I have, there's a story in the book of a girlfriend going to meet friends for, lunch and she said I love these women like I want to get together with them but I was so overwhelmed that day driving to meet my friends that I was mad at them that I was going to meet them because I had too much to do like Mm -hmm. that's an indication that these out of control emotions tend to reflect out of control expectations you put on yourself so that's a biggie I'm being sick all the time I went through like two different winters where I was sick constantly I went to the doctor and said, you know, it's it's the flu and then a sinus infection and this and then that. And he said, hey, I think you're tired. He said, you're going to have to slow down and actually take care of yourself or you're never going to get better. And when we are living over capacity, we don't take care of ourselves. Women always think that self-care is selfish, that getting enough sleep, eating, not living life completely stressed out, um, taking time to do things just for you. We, we grew up hearing you don't want to be called selfish, right? Right. So we see self-care as selfish, but we can't 
take care of the other people in our lives. We can't be who we were created to be if we're not at our best. It's like, for instance, with my boys, when one of them is sick, I'm always reminding him, keep your hands sanitized. If I get it, I can't take care of you. Right? Right. And I think I carry that on to other things. Like if I get it, I can't take care of you. So I have to keep myself well. Um, another another big one I want to mention is self-medicating. We always think of mm-hmm. self-medicating as food. Right. But for me, I found myself self-medicating by scrolling through Facebook for hours and hours and watching everybody else's lives go by instead of investing in my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I found myself distracting myself on Pinterest for hours and hours when really I could be investing in my own life. Um, so that that's a key. You know, when, when you find yourself binging not only on food, but on social media to the extent where you're not investing in your own life, that normally is your body's way of being like, hello, I'm dying. You right. got to take care of me. Right. Well, and I also love that you mention that we tend to be neglecting important relationships and even God. And that can include even ourselves, like you talked about self-care. Um, mm-hmm. And so what, what Allie, can, can we do when we realize we're at capacity and those things are resonating to take some proactive steps not to, you know, try to do time management spreadsheets and track our time or any of those things. <laughs> if um, I ever had to do a time <laughs> management spreadsheet, I would, I, I don't even know. I think I, I would officially be depressed. Yes. Um, I, I like to keep it super simple. So for me, I love the concept of a stop doing list. Often when we're overwhelmed, we're like, I'm going to do a to-do list, one, two, three things I need to do. It's going to get me out of this. I'm going to get unstuck. And really, we just need to find two or three things to stop doing. So what do we need to stop doing? Here's a great question just just to ask yourself. You can ask yourself, what did I say yes to that even at the moment I knew I I didn't want to do? You know, we all say yes to something because we don't want to let people down. We take on responsibilities. We do too much, even though it's going to be miserable when we have to do it. Um, so learning to just know, Hey, this type of thing over here, this isn't good for me. So you're going to put that down. Number one, I don't want to do X, Y, and Z. I need to stop doing that. Hence my slacker parenting. (laughs) Yeah. But that can be hard to say no. The thing is what I hear from a lot of people is if I say no to X, Y, and Z, this thing that I don't want to do, no one else is going to do it. And what I've learned over time is it's the same people that always take on responsibility in this in every situation, right. whether it's work, it's church, it's in the community. There's always those few people who go, yeah, I'll do it. Right. And a lot of times that's just their personality to take it on because they feel responsible. So they're trying to do the right thing, even though it's killing them. Right. Right. Um, but if if there's always people saying, I'll do it. The people who are actually meant to do that work, the people who love that work or that activity will never step up and do what they were created to do because the same people are always saying yes. So it may take a little while. There may be jobs or activities or roles that that there may be a gap in, but if you're always doing it, that gap's never going to get filled. I mean, you can even take it all the way down to kids. Like, I'm not going to do the dishes. 
Um, we have a lot of times when the dishes get broken because the boys are doing them. Well, that's just going to have to be part of it. It's not going to be perfect, right. but I'm not going to do it anymore. But at the same time, if I always did it because I wanted it done my way, or I felt like nobody else was going to do it and I didn't want to be a nag, then those those children aren't going to step into that role of being responsible over time. Right. Right. And we've got to get a handle on this busyness because it's killing us literally physically. As a nurse, I know the impact of stress and all the hormone changes that happen and it's not good. It's just not good for us. Um, okay. What other things can we do proactively? Because I know in your situation of blistum and the organization you were leading, you made a hard proactive decision to shut it down, not to sell it or not to hand it off to someone else to carry the torch. You chose, yeah. you chose in the height of what was the current buzz of, of your, you know, organization you were leading, you chose to voluntarily shut it down. So I, I feel like you have some, uh, you know, anchoring in some real life angst <laughs> in helping us you know, proactively choose to slash busy by making hard choices, but really important proactive ones. Yeah, for me, I I was minding my own business at an event in 2012, not my own. I was at someone else's and, you know, don't let anybody that runs an event not tell you when they're at another event, all they're thinking is, hey, look at the way the lights are over here. Look at that great speaker. You know, you're always looking for more tips. <laughs> and it was a pastor's conference. So in a break, I was praying about the theme for next year and just seeking direction. And I, I felt in my spirit, clear as day, uh, quit Blistem, the name of my conference. And, you know, sometimes you hear something and you just, you know, that you know, that you know, right. That that didn't come from me. You just know. Even yeah. though you wish you didn't know. <laughs> you sure did. <laughs> and I flew home to California, mad at God, just so mad. And say, okay, well, I'm going to need more signs and I'm going to be a submissive wife and I'm going to leave this up to my husband to decide because <laughs> he, cause I thought that was my out. Like right? there is no way the guy that just retired for me to support the whole family is going to mm. say, yeah, sure. Shut down everything that, that we need to, to pay our bills. Right. Like, we're finally doing well again. Go for it. Right. So go home, sit him down, tell him everything. And I'm sure that he's my out. And then I get to tell God, I'm not going to disobey him because I'm obeying my Right. Husband. It was such a brilliant I, plan, Allie. Right. I know. <laughs> and then my husband's like, yep, you better call your co-founder and tell her you're out. Mm. And I was devastated. Mm. So I wish I could say, I felt the joy of the Lord and I walked away <laughs> happily because that's what people say in this situation, right? Well, I was it, because it made no sense. I mean, I'm sure your reaction that you got from others was just utter shock. I'm well, guessing. For people who are believers, they were like, all right, um, okay, I guess. That's crazy. And right. the people who weren't believers were like, I think you're crazy. Like what? you your voices, you're you're schizophrenic. Right. <laughs> um, so there's there's no win in this at all. Right. And so it took me a year to obey. We actually had another conference, which I really lost my joy for in that year because I was I was disobeying, but I was doing it. And 
I, I kept telling God that that I, wa- I wasn't disobeying because I was going to shut it down. I was going to walk away, but I just needed him to tell me what was next first because I didn't really trust him. So cute. And so when I finally pulled the trigger, shut it down, um, man, it, it disappointed a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I, I write in the book, sometimes obeying God and living out your calling, it's it's the right thing to do, but it still feels like a punch in the gut. Right. And I can reread my chapter on editing where I talk about editing life and struggling with this decision. And honestly, I'm going to tear up a little bit. It's still, mm-hmm. it's still hard. Um, I miss, I miss the community. I still feel bad that I let people down and I had to close it, but it's what I was called to do. So sometimes what I'm hearing you say is when, we're called to do something. It's not always going to feel good. Nope. It's not always going to skip around singing not, Amazing right? Grace. It's not going to make, <laughs> it's not going to always make sense. Um, it's certainly going to be painful for those around us, which can become a lot of pressure if you want to please. Yep. And it can feel very disorienting and at a loss. Some people can accuse you of over-spiritualizing. Well, how do you know you heard God, quote unquote, you know? Oh, yeah. It's, um, oh, you're playing the God card. Right. Say now. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's super un- unfortunate. And a lot of times, especially in, in this Christian space, people share stories, but they don't quite share like how bad it sucked in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. So what I want to do is just be like, this was horrible. No, I still... I still feel bad when I think about it because too often we want to whitewash things and be like, well, that was then, but everything's redeemed now. Yay. Um, it, it is now. Um, but you still, you still get that little pinch of, of pain from remembering what you went through. We're just, that's, that's what it's like to be human. That's right. right. Here's the thing. If you're supposed to do something and, and you have, just like you said, you have lined it up in scripture Believers have confirmed it. Your family's confirmed it, and you're still not doing it. Mm-hmm. God will send you messages. I mean, I have <laughs> loud and one clear. Of, one of my yeah, one of my good friends isn't even a believer, and she was like, "You're cheating on Jesus." <laughs> you say God told you that you're not doing it. You're cheating on Jesus. Like, I mean, so true. Like, oh good. He's gonna keep. He's gonna keep yelling it at you all the time. Um, yeah. So yeah, definitely. Definitely make sure that you're really hearing it before you go off and do something crazy. Okay, and give me your your impression, Allie, of how we hear God. This is so confusing. Yeah, um, it can be really confusing. For me, I've never heard a voice of God, but I, I know people do, which I think is crazy. Like that would stop me in my tracks. For me, when I hear something, it's just something kind of in my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like words are placed there that challenge me and surprise me. And that if I follow them and if I believe them will always lead to good, um, never harm in relationships, um, never never harming others. I know that's when he's talking. Right. Um, and... You know, sometimes when God talks to you, it sounds a lot like when you talk to yourself, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I always write down whatever it is I think I'm hearing. And 
I make sure everything's confirmed in scripture. But then I go back in time continually and I read through it. And so if I feel like God's put something on my heart of, I want you to do, you know, X, Y, and Z because something will happen, I will go back in time and make sure those things happened. And if I see, you know, through my journal writing, um, things not coming to pass, I'll know it probably wasn't God, right? Right. Um, It's interesting to me how many different ways he speaks Mm -hmm. because very often when we are told by God to do one thing and we don't do that one thing, whether it's edit something out or edit something in your life, he will send people over and over and over to remind you. You will hear it at church. You will hear people talk about it on TV Friends out of the blue will come to you and go, have you ever thought about X, Y, and Z? And you'll be like, oh, for, yes, okay, I get right, it. Right, right. Um, he doesn't stop because he does have these great purposes for our lives. Mm-hmm. He has these plans for us. And we can run away and we can waste time, but he's going to keep chasing. And we're going to keep hearing it until we finally get it. I'm so thankful for that truth. And he can show up in the smallest ways. He cares about every little tiny detail. Nothing is a limit to him in the way he can get our attention. And, you know, sometimes that is through more mud and pain because we're too uh, thick skulled to really pay attention. (laughs) But either which way, he is going to work it for good. And that's his promise. And I'm thankful for how he's done that in your life. Um, Tell us about Propel and what mm-hmm. Propel is, and then uh, where we can find you online and your book and all the things. Oh, yeah. So fast forward, after I shut down my conference, I do what anybody does who doesn't know what's next for them in business and has a family to support. I was a consultant. <laughs> <laughs> all the consultants out there rolling their eyes. You know, it's true. That's um, good. It's all good. Yeah, I did that. That's, you know. I was, I, and I was happy doing it once I actually decided to trust God and stop trying to control everything myself. So and, key. And that, mm. Yeah, it's, it, it is the key. Met Christine Kane socially, heard her speaking a few years ago at an event and went, wow, that woman, that is a, she made me want to stand up and yell. Right. I'm um, just such power and authority. And then became friends with her socially. She told me about what she wanted to build, which is Propel Women. It's an initiative for women to lead in all spheres of life, to be um, great ambassadors for Christ. She believes that if you are a Christian, you're called to lead other people to Christ. So whether that's in your family, in the community, in the workplace, wherever you are to to be successful and to be salt and light in the world. Right. And no matter what. No matter what. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, and on a side note, I was at... Um, the Orange County Propel. I was so thrilled to be there. And it was just an amazing, amazing time. So thank you. Do you want to hear a story? Okay, so y'all, everybody listen, get this. The Orange County Propel event was our first big event. It was really cool. It was at Mariner's Church. It was so cool. It was so cool. But here's the coolest thing that no one knows. That is the same room I was in in 2012 where God told me to shut down my conference. Really? In that room. So in that room, I had to make, I had to have, I had the realization, I have to make the decision to end doing what I love, which is events, bringing women together. Mm. And it was so painful. And I hadn't been back until the day before we had the event. So 
that morning wow. at the propel event. I'm there at 6 a.m. I'm crying. I'm I'm walking up and down the aisles. <laughs> I'm praying over the seats that women have amazing revelations and mm-hmm. things are going great. And it's such a sweet story of how God brings everything full circle. Full because circle. when I when I quit Bliston and I shut it all down, I went, that's it for me. Mm-hmm. Doing what I love is over. You know, because I had no I had no idea what would come next. But had I not obeyed him when it didn't make sense, I mm-hmm. never would have been able to say yes when Chris came to me and said, We need you to run it for us. Um, so he does. Amazing. He brings things full circle. He so does. such a sweet time. And it's so special that you were there. I was there. I, I think I actually sent you a Twitter message, but you're so good at breaking busy that you don't review that regularly. So it's okay. <laughs> Way to live your message, Miss Allie. Way to live it. Uh, you eventually did reply to me. So that was super sweet. Uh, so thanks for living your message. So good. Um, and I love the fact that, um, you know, in the moment when you obeyed what you knew God was calling you to do from so many signs that he had sent you, um, you did so laying it down, being willing to accept the fact that something like that never would be. And if God decided that that's how it was, you came to a place where you surrendered to it, albeit reluctantly or painfully, it, you still yeah. you still said yes. And I think that's the lesson for you listening today. You know, whatever it is that you sense God's calling you to do, you and only you know what that is. And uh, maybe you've been resisting uh, laying it down because you just need the plan that's next. But that what would be the faith in that? God says, trust me, and I promise what I have for you is better than you can ever ever create or imagine. And um, Allie, hearing you and your story coming full circle, which I didn't even know when we were going to talk today that that was the case. I just, it's just so beautiful that God in his graciousness allowed you to see the full circle because he doesn't owe us that closed, you know, circuit uh, knowledge of bringing it full circle. He really doesn't because it's all about us becoming who he wants us to be for the advancement of his glory and his goodness in the world. Um, That's, you know, what we live to be as Christians. But the fact that he did that for you um, and the fact that I think you listening can be encouraged that he did it for Allie, he he'll do it for you too. And um, what seems to be painful today, whatever mud it is you're facing can be the beginning of what can be something just so spectacular a display of God's goodness and love for you in a in a, in a way and depth that you've just never imagined could be. And so, thanks for sharing that, Allie. I think it's going to encourage so many, so many today. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. So, where can we find you online? Where can we get Breaking Busy and uh, and all the all the things? Oh yeah, I am um, at AllieWorthington.com, and Breaking Busy is BreakingBusy.com. And if you're on Twitter, I am just Allie, which is um, A L L I, and I would love to connect. That would be great. I love that. Allie is the name of my oldest daughter, although we spell That's her a name. Great name. Yeah, I, she loves it. <laughs> her, her, we actually loved the name Allie, and we were trying to find a longer name, so her name is actually Allie Anna. But um, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, but she, thank you. She spells it uh, A L L Y, but I love A L L I as well. So that's super easy on Twitter. Although I'm sure you get spammed a lot, huh? 
with such a you short know what? That's why name. that's why um, sometimes I don't even check my mentions because all yeah. these kids they send Vine and these other services in, or they don't know how to tweet, so they'll do like at Allie dot something. Right. <laughs> I read their tweets to each other, and it's all I can do not to be like, "Does your mama know that you tweet like this?" Like. Oh, goodness. Do I, do I need to track your mama down and send right. her your tweets? Yeah, yeah. So, yes, but it, there's good and bad things of having a very short, very, very short handle. Okay. That just means I've been around online forever. Well, and we love that. That's so. And so we will track you down there and connect. I'm sure um, you would love to connect with anyone uh, that wants to reach out to you. So, um, is that the best place to find you, Twitter? In your breaking yep. busy yep. media schedule, is Twitter the place or what's your favorite? Um, well, on my website, there's a great contact form, but okay. just for if you need me, but just for everyday chatty, chatty, Instagram and Twitter are my hangouts. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for uh, joining us here. I'm so thankful for you and we're cheering for you all the way. Thank you so much. It was great to be here. Well, that's all for this episode. I am so thankful to Allie for joining us and helping us to learn how to manage our crazy busy lives. And she is releasing her first book into the world this very week. It's called Breaking Busy, How to Find Peace and Purpose in a World of Crazy. And I'll have links to everything we mentioned in the show, including a link to her book over at the show notes page, JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode 76. A couple quick things before you go. I just want to bring your attention again to the survey that I have. I value your feedback so very much. If you would be willing to take five to 10 minutes out of your schedule, I would so appreciate it. I'm going to be changing some things up on the show, and I value what you have to say, your opinion, and I'd love to uh, hear from you. And so if you'll go over to JackieWatkins.com forward slash survey, that's J-A-C-Q-U-E-W-A-T. K-I-N-S dot com forward slash survey. I would love to hear whatever it is you'd like to tell me over there. Also, we've created a Mud Stories Gathering Facebook page. If you're female and you listen to this show, we would love to have you meet us over there and be a part of our community. You can request to join over at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Mud Stories Gathering. And I'm reviewing that regularly and I'll be adding you as you request to join. And finally, it would mean so much to me I know from the surveys I've received that many of you listen to the show through the Purple Podcast iTunes app, and it would mean so much to me if you would subscribe to the show and give a rating or review, which only needs to be like one sentence, a few words. It can be super short. And up until now, it's been hard to leave a rating or review from your phone, but I have a new way that I want to show you how to do it, and it's super easy. So when you're in the Purple Podcast app and you're playing an episode, at the bottom, you're going to see a skinny little strip that has the title of the current episode that's playing. So all you have to do is click that strip on the show of mine that's playing, and then that episode is going to come up with my picture at the top, the artwork from the show that says Mud Stories with Jackie Watkins. If you tap on my picture, uh, the artwork of the show, show, underneath will be a written description of the episode, and there'll be a purple link there that says subscribe or leave a rating or review here. 
That is a clickable link. All you have to do is click that purple link right there and it'll open up a new page where you can say, yes, subscribe me and you can push subscribe. Or you can, if you're already subscribed, you can still leave a review. You click on that, you type one sentence, hit enter, and that leaves a rating or review for Mud Stories, which in turn tells iTunes that you enjoy the show, that you want others to hear the show, and it helps them know to expose the show to more people so that more people can be encouraged and not feel alone each and every week. And so it would just mean the world to me if you would do that. Just click the bottom strip at the bottom, click on my picture, click on the uh, purple link, and it'll take you right to the page. Super easy. Okay, so I think that's all. I hope you are having an amazing day. I'm so thankful for you, as usual, that you joined me, that you took time to spend time with me here. I am so grateful for you. And so whatever it is that you're facing today, no matter what you faced before, no matter what lies ahead for you, May you, along with me, may we find a grateful song to sing. I'll see you next week. Have a beautiful day. A never-ending robber fails to press upon my mind. I pull a shame that leaves me a little bit blind. I cannot see beyond the blame and I never will find a way out. And then I feel you next to me. You lift my head to see. Your strong arm reaches to me Your mercy floods my tired soul As you lift me out of my muddy hole You wash me up with your sweet grace And you lead me to a safer place Suppress upon my mind a pull of shame that leaves me a little bit blind. I cannot see beyond the blame, and I never will find a way out. And then I feel you next to me. You lift my head to see. Your strong arm reaches to me. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me off with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place. You overwhelm my broken thoughts and you mend my lost and damaged heart. I find myself where I belong in your safe a grateful song to sing, a grateful song to sing, a grateful song.